Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast with your host, Kat Robinson. You're listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast for vet nurses where we tell our story. I'm your host, Kat Robinson. Vet nursing can be a tough gig, and yet we absolutely love it. So when it comes to vet nurses, who are we? How do we achieve greatness? How do we cope with the more challenging parts of our job? Radio Vet Nurse is our way to start a dialogue around these questions and to create a space where we can tell our story. Each episode, you'll hear from a different vet nurse about their personal experiences in life and in vet nursing. In this episode, you'll hear from Tiffany, a vet nurse at Boongari Veterinary Services in Cairns. She works with the legendary Dr. Annabelle Olsen, a consulting vet for wildlife, zoos, and the various government agencies that manage endangered animals. As well as being a busy general practice, Boongari also treats thousands of wildlife cases a year, pro bono. Now, wildlife cases in far north Queensland is different to wildlife anywhere in Australia. The wet tropics region, which is 2 million hectares between Townsville in the south and Cooktown in the north, is just 0.26% of Australia's landmass, but the highest combined biodiversity of plants and animals in the country. We're so lucky to have this amazing variety of animals up here, many of which are rare or threatened and found literally nowhere else on the planet. Tiffany does some crazy exciting nursing at Boongari Vets, which is purpose-built to treat a huge variety of patients, including big crocs. How big? Up to four and a half metres. Yep, it takes a pretty unique skill set to be a vet nurse in a practice like this. Tiffany started working at Hartley's Crocodile Adventures when she was 14. She's been looking after wildlife since she was 10 and caring for macropods for 17 years. It's easy to be impressed by Tiffany, not just as a vet nurse. She recently bought her own house, which as a young single mum on a vet nurse wage is something to be really proud of. I'm proud of her for sure and the part of our story that she represents. Here's Tiffany. Tiffany, welcome to Radio Vet Nurse. Thanks for joining me. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Very good. Um, I'm just going to kick off with my favorite question. Do you listen to podcasts? And if yes, what are some of your favorites? No, I don't listen to podcasts. I've thought about getting into them, but I haven't really, not yet. (laughs) It sounds like you're pretty busy with everything that you're doing with um, work. And you've also got uh, your son, Charlie, who's with us today. Um, And you've got a lot of animals, as we were just discussing, that you're going into care for as well after hours too. So that's right. What have you just come from doing at work today? So although we're not open on the weekends, uh, obviously with patients there, we do need to look after them still. So we still clean, feed and medicate them over the weekend. Depends what we have in usually numerous times over the weekend too. Uh, So there's a lot of wildlife in at the moment and a couple of other clients' patients as well. Mm -hmm. And what patients did you have in there today? Uh, We had a couple of uh, owls and nightjars and we do have a couple of... um, reptiles and things as well yep. and some mammals as well some guinea pigs and things yep um at, at boongari vets i'm just having a look from the website and and what is offered there and there's a lot of wildlife um wildlife care and rehabilitation a lot of really unique and is- interesting animals um species that you would you would see are probably ones that not many vet nurses get to see so um you were you were medicating an interesting reptile this morning can you tell me about that (laughs) yes we do have a couple of um crocodiles in at the moment and they can be quite difficult to medicate um when they don't want to open their mouths they really don't open their mouths so it can take some time to to medicate so you can't just like open the mouth yourself or do anything you're just literally sitting there like dangling stuff over the top of them or Uh, basically uh, you can i guess for lack of a better term, annoy them a little bit. So you can maybe um, touch their backs or their tails and things and hopefully they'll open their mouths because they're annoyed Mm. with you so you can quickly (laughs) medicate. Are you dropping medication in from a dropper or are you dropping something in in a chunk of meat or how are you getting it in? Uh, With a syringe. A syringe, yeah. Yeah. Squirt. Yeah, yep. basically. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as, I, as I was just saying to um, to Tiffany when she arrived, saying, sorry, the crocodiles wouldn't open their mouths. I'm like, I will never complain about feeling a cat again. 
<laughs> so we're in Cairns, far north Queensland, um, and that's why we've got such an interesting um, array of patients, which is certainly not at every vet surgery up here. Um, but Boone Gary Vets, where Tiffany works, is um, Dr. Annabelle Olson's veterinary practice, and she is just an absolute legend in the Australian veterinary scene, speaks at a lot of conferences, that sort of thing about exotics. And Tiffany does um, most of the nursing there. So where are you from, Tiffany, and where do you currently live? I am from Cairns. I was actually born here mm-hmm. and I obviously still live in Cairns, but I'm out on the northern beaches. So Kawara oh, Beach at the moment. I've just, I've just moved into Kawara Beach. Yeah. yeah. I love the northern beaches actually. Oh, it's lovely. I wouldn't yeah. live anywhere else. Yeah. It's such a beautiful spot up here. Um, Matt and I drove, we were, well, Matt's from Newcastle. I grew up in Wagga and then I lived in Melbourne for a bit and then Brisbane where I met Matt and then we drove around Australia in our combi. And when we got up here, we were like, this is amazing. We need to live up here. And it's just, it's it's almost like being in another country to me from being from southern Australia originally. Mm. So, I mean, we've just got the rainforest and um, and uh, we've got, you know, the Daintree and the Great Barrier Reef. And um, oh, it certainly is beautiful. I love it up here. I like visiting other places, but I always love coming back. Yeah, me too. I, I like the temperature <laughs> too. Although you guys are hardcore in summer. When we come down from the mountains yeah. at the tablelands, we're like, oh my God, it's so muggy. But yeah, I still really love it. It can be pretty it. full on, but you get used to it. And I actually do enjoy the heat a lot more than the, the cold. So yeah, yeah. For me, it's perfect. Yeah. The first time I experienced the tropics was when I was 18 and I flew to East Timor, but I've stopped off in Darwin and I got off the plane and I was from Wagga and I just remember like I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like it was like soup and I had never experienced humidity and I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, Darwin is pretty crazy. It is usually a lot hotter than here as well. Yeah. Being born here, I've grown up with it, so I don't know anything else really. Yeah, totally. Now, how did you get your foot in the door with uh, vet nursing? So you are a certificate three vet nurse, aren't you? That's correct. Um, I've always worked with animals. I started working at a zoo when I was uh, just 14. Mm -hmm. Um, That was Hartley's Crocodile Adventures. Mm -hmm. And I've always worked in zoos and with animals through wildlife rescue and things like that as well. Um, After I had my son, I was still working at a zoo um, up in Coranda, um, but I decided that I wanted to, although I wanted to still work with animals, I wanted to see a different side of it. Mm -hmm. So we'd often send things down to the vet when they were ill or injured or whatever the case may be. And then they'd come back better or just with instructions of medications. And I guess Mm -hmm. I wanted to see what sort of process went into diagnosing them and how things were diagnosed and why certain medications are good for certain things and Mm -hmm. it's been really interesting and so while I still had my son I um while he was a lot younger I studied vet nursing and that's I haven't looked back yeah and then did you have this job lined up or in mind before you started working with Annabelle or how did how did you go about getting getting a job at Boongari Vets well I Although I wanted to be a vet nurse, I knew Annabelle's clinic existed because obviously I'd been at the zoo. She was the uh, consulting vet for the zoo. So Mm -hmm. I consulted with her quite a lot Mm -hmm. while I was working at the zoo. And I decided that there was no other clinic that was going to be right for me. And it Mm -hmm. was going to be Annabelle's or... Mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was very lucky that I already had that um, previous history with Annabelle mm. and I was very lucky to be able to get into her clinic she must have been relieved to find you too because I know if I were to drop my resume on Annabelle's door I would not have the skill set that she would need because I do not know how to handle <laughs> or care for a lot of the patients you're looking after so all yeah all the staff at the clinic there's myself um, our practice manager Ali and our accounts and um, other vet nurse Lou and we've all got a very big history with zoos and wildlife and all sorts of different animals that mm-hmm. most people probably haven't seen or held before so Mm -hmm. we all do have a very good background with wildlife and other animals just going to read from the list here of some of the patients that you're looking after routinely kangaroos and wallabies koalas Mm -hmm. lizards native birds parrots possums pythons turtles and terrapins aquarium fish bats cassowaries chicken and poultry crocodiles dogs and cats frogs guinea pigs and rodents that's right so there is a large variety it can be a little bit um, testing at times when you've got seven or eight different patients in mm. at the same time, and they've all they're all completely different and different dietary needs and dis- mm. different husbandry needs. So mm. we have to be on top of the on top of the ball all the time mm-hmm. with um, our advice and knowledge mm. and things like that too. It's a crazy amount of knowledge, and you must mm-hmm. have, do you have quite a few different areas to house them? Because I assume you've got yeah, we do <laughs> things that are food to other things all it, in the one place. Yeah, we do. So most other clinics might have a dog a dog room and a cat room. Yeah, uh, we have I guess uh, rooms for our for lack of a better term again for our 
prey items, you know, like our mm. guinea pigs and rodents and small mm-hmm. birds. And then if we do have any large carnivores in or large <laughs> raptors, we do house them very separately to yeah. those. Um, it's stressful for all patients. It's stressful mm-hmm. for the bigger animals that want to get to the smaller ones. And it's yeah. stressful for the smaller ones, obviously. So we do yeah. keep them all very separate. It's a unique kind yeah. of <laughs> concern. Very, very. And can you describe um, your role at Boongarry Vets, what you're doing from day to day? Uh, so we are a fairly small clinic in that we don't have a whole lot of um, staff members at the clinic. Mm-hmm. So we do share a lot of the jobs around. So generally we get in in the morning um, and all of us, whoever gets there first, all of us do help out with the cleaning and feeding of the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, although I am a vet nurse, I do a lot of reception duties and answering the phones and things like that too. Yeah. Um, and ordering products and all, all that sort of thing. Um, and then obviously a theatre nurse when needed, a, mm-hmm. a help out there and I obviously scrub kits and all that sort of thing and help mm-hmm. with anesthetics and mm-hmm. yeah, all almost the whole lot yeah we all help out a lot though it's definitely teamwork yeah I think that's the nature of being in like a, a one or two vet practice isn't it you just have to be an all-rounder and absolutely we're the same we have like everyone needs to know how to order the stock clean the kits redo the kits yeah. answer the phone book the appointment do the admin and do the, the active nursing as well so yeah, that's exactly right yeah. so it doesn't necessarily look or sound a lot from the outside but it is a lot to do on a daily basis yeah totally and when you've got mm. a small team everyone has to know how to do it so that if someone's away or on holidays and exactly right yeah exactly and what's you to you what's your favorite part of your job I love seeing animals get better I know that mm. probably sounds very cliche but mm-hmm. um just in the last week we've actually had a lot of wildlife carers give us updates on wildlife patients that we've treated for various things and that where they've shown us pictures or videos of them being released mm. and it's really really heartwarming I yeah. really really like it mm. um and I don't know if they realized quite how much it makes our day but mm. it absolutely yeah it, it's fantastic to see things get better and actually be released and go back to where they're from and mm-hmm interact with their species yeah absolutely it, it just would make it all worthwhile because I mean so many wildlife cases in particular they probably wouldn't always be viable or no and unfortunately it's not always about um the injury and if we can fix the injury we mm-hmm. do think of the bigger picture as mm-hmm. in quality of life um you know some birds might come in with a broken wing and mm-hmm. yeah we could fix it mm-hmm. but if the bird needs to be in captivity for the next six to 12 months or if it's never going to fly again it's mm-hmm. really not nice on the bird and mm-hmm. so although like i said although some injuries may be able to be fixed we do look at the bigger picture and decide whether mm-hmm. it's in the best interests of whatever animal it is to to go ahead with um treatment and rehabilitation Mm. and since you guys provide a lot of the resources um i guess annabelle's donating a lot of time and resources you kind of have to think of the greatest good for the greatest number as well like if the surgery is going to be hugely expensive for one animal could that could those funds go to fixing 10 animals and then you've kind of got a trade-off don't you unfortunately yeah Yeah. and it's not something we like to think about on a Mm. on a daily basis but unfortunately sometimes it is something we need to Mm-hmm. we need to think of mm-hmm. what's a crazy patient like wildlife that's come in and you've thought no way and then you see them released or get better um annabelle did have one come in a couple of years ago it was a little scaly breasted lorikeet so mm-hmm. almost everybody knows what they are and there there's so many of them and um it had been attacked by a cat i believe or a mm-hmm. dog i can't remember but either way it's heart was outside of its body what we, i know we um we got it straight into theater and popped everything back into where it should be mm. stitched it up it was released about three weeks later that is incredible. it was just amazing and we we could have we thought if it had been any other animal it never would have happened but just one little scaly breasted lorikeet and it did and it was just just amazing we've had a couple too with little bandicoots with um again with cat bites yeah um with bits of intestine coming out and Mm -hmm. again we pop pop them back in an emergency Mm -hmm. surgery and then they're fine they they get released a couple of weeks later or months later and it's incredible oh my god the body is so amazing and its ability to heal itself and recover and it is adrenaline just to get (laughs) you through and People need to put bells on their cats or keep them inside, don't they? That would be ideal. <laughs> In an ideal world, that that's yeah. what would happen. But yeah, yes. Um, and 
I'm just thinking as well, we rarely do bird anesthetics, but they're, they're hard, aren't they? Like has Annabelle just trained you guys to, to assist with those? And Yeah, she has. Yeah. Um, so we do it's, – it's quite funny because we obviously um, contact a lot of different vets around the, uh, around the area and they contact us for various advice and um, – uh, all that sort of thing or questions mm-hmm. and things they might have and we almost here on a daily base and our bird anesthetics are hard and we forget just how touchy they can be because we do mm-hmm. them every day we mm-hmm. do at least one bird anesthetic a day all for mm-hmm. various reasons um sometimes for microchipping mm-hmm. sometimes for surgery um sometimes for a wing clip if that's what the owner's if that's what the owners want, that's mm-hmm. what we do. Um, and because we do them all the time, we sometimes you forget. We forget just yeah. how difficult they can be. Yeah. Um, but it's all about monitoring. You know, we yeah. really monitor them. We we don't put them on their backs. Things yeah. like that. We just really monitor. Yeah. Monitor the birds. It's all what you're used to, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's exactly right. We're the same. We do a lot of um, geriatric. Um, dog dentals yeah and we get a lot of clients who are like oh but i've been to another vet and they've said that he's too old for an anesthetic and we forget that yeah some vets would be nervous about doing it but we do them all the time yeah and so it's just about what you're used yeah. to and yeah yeah, yeah 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 what's normal for you i guess that's right where i was like no nah, i'll be fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> 17 now nah, i'll be fine oh that's it what's your routine when you wake up in the morning how do you set yourself up for a winning day uh so that really depends on what I've got at home. So at the moment, I've got a couple of um, macropods. So I've got a red mm-hmm. kangaroo joey and a swamp wallaby. Mm-hmm. So generally, I wake up in the morning, I let the dogs out for their toilet break in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get all the various animals up and ready for ready for the day. So <laughs> at the moment, I know that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? So at the moment with the joeys, I get them up. Um, give them both a bottle and then get them out of their pouches and hop around and eating and that sort of thing. Oh, my God. Um, and obviously, if their pouches need cleaning, I clean their pouches. Um, I get the birds outside. I've got a little couple of little cockatiels at home. So I get them outside and fed for the day and yeah. all that sort of thing. And then I actually have a lot of hermit crabs at home too. Oh, my God. Um, so they're, they're pets, obviously. So I do make sure they've got all their water topped up and make sure they've got enough humidity in their tanks and yeah. fed and all that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Are these transient patients that are just going to be with you for a while or are some of them, I mean, obviously your dogs are permanent. but Yeah, the dogs are permanent, the cockatiels are permanent and the hermit crabs are permanent. Yeah. Um, the wallabies, I'm actually looking at releasing them in the next couple of weeks. They're, yeah. they're getting to an age now that they want to be out of their pouches more than what I can provide for them at home mm-hmm. um, and they'll be ready to go up to various soft release enclosures and mm-hmm. yeah go out into the wild so that'd be fantastic what are they like hopping around your house like I'm imagining my 15 month old who is just like <laughs> you know into everything and I'm are they are they naughty are they are they fine um I don't let them hop around the house per se um yeah. we do have tiles and it's not really the environment that I want them hopping around in yeah. but I let them out in the backyard mm-hmm. so they get into everything I know mm. I've got this little um well, I'm trying to grow a pineapple at the moment, but every time I turn around, the red kangaroo's in there eating it. Um, he's pulled it out of the ground quite a number of times now, so I'm not even sure if it's still alive. Yeah. Um, but they do get into all sorts of different things outside, so I do need to make sure. And it's difficult. I've never had a red kangaroo before either, and yeah. he can reach a lot higher than what wallabies can. So, Don't need- they grow to be enormous? They do. So... It is a male too, which means he's going to get a lot bigger than the girls. Yeah. Um, but they can get to about a metre 80. And <gasps> I know the biggest ever found was 92 kilos. So oh my God. big animals. Yeah. He's about five kilos at the moment, which is the biggest joey I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had anything that big before. Yeah. And he's... He's a little rat bag. He gets into everything that he's not supposed to. So I need to make sure that everything's well and truly up because he gets right onto his tippy toes and reaches onto the table and pulls yep. things off. So, yes, he's it a little... does sound like my son. <laughs> yes, yes. And your favourite um, to look after is macropods and mammals. Yep, That's absolutely. Right. So macropods are what I have done for about the last 17 years. So I yep. started Wildlife Rescue when I was... A about 10 years old Mm -hmm. with my family and Mm -hmm. so we've had probably about 150 to 200 macropods at home or various species all from around the area obviously um so a lot of agiles and a few swampies and things like that too Mm -hmm. um and a few eastern greys and wallaroos but a red kangaroo for me I've never had one before so it's (laughs) it's definitely different for me but it's nice to see him growing and getting bigger and were they the animals you were mainly looking after when you were being working in wildlife pre-nursing or what what were you doing in those roles uh so wildlife um in the parks 
before I was a vet nurse, um, I was the koala keeper. Mm-hmm. So I uh, basically cared for all the koalas and bred them up so that we had a number and um, kept all the genetics different and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we had, I ended up with about 25 koalas under my care. When I started, I had had about 15. So I got quite a few. And then I organized getting koalas from different parks and swapping koalas mm-hmm. and things like that. Again, just to keep, I mean, zoos do it all the time with various mm-hmm. animals. So just to keep the genetics mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of good photo koalas too, so I had to train them up from a young age to be able to be handled for the public. Mm-hmm. And are they like are they easy to handle for the public, or do you need to pick ones that that are going to be you know the right disposition? Or what are, <laughs> what are some of the risks there if you choose the wrong koala for the photos? So if we choose the wrong koala, or if we have somebody who doesn't handle them, who um, maybe is not as confident yeah. or as experienced with koalas, they are very aggressive animals oh what they are so the worst i've worked with a lot of different animals the worst bite i've ever received was from a koala what i he got me on my collarbone oh yes yes he was a big boy too he got me on my collarbone and i ended up um with a scar and bruises for about three weeks oh my god yeah why did he bite you it was my fault. I'd been holding another male and he was uh-huh. obviously just in a bit of a bad mood and he smelt the other male on me and then bit me. Yeah. Bit me. So I'm just glad he got my collarbone and not my neck or anything. Oh, man. Did you <laughs> not have my to face. Anti- <laughs> not my face. <laughs> did you have to have antibiotics? No, I didn't. Um, I did have a tetanus, tetanus mm. injection, um, mm-hmm. but all mine are up to date anyway, just for the yep. safety. Um but no, I did have an ice pack. It was quite funny for the following weeks after that, though. Um, we had quite a few tour groups in telling me how cute and cuddly koalas were. And yep. I just showed them my bruise and I said, no, <laughs> then they're cute, but certainly not cuddly. Yeah, yeah. All my Most of my scars I've got up my arms are from koalas. So you've never been bitten by a crocodile or a snake or anything like that? Yes and yes. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so at the zoo, we had a couple of hatchling crocodiles yep. and I was a little bit complacent with them because they were, they'd come out of the egg maybe a week or two earlier. Mm-hmm. And so I was feeding them. And just as I put my the, my hand in to feed them, one of them jumped at me and grabbed me. Didn't even break the skin, but I, I got a fright because when a crocodile jumps at you, regardless of how big it is, mm. you jump. Um, yeah. So that's exactly what happened. And I have been bitten by um, an adult freshwater crocodile as well. We got ah. them out to handle them um, to... Um, to sex them yeah and there was a bit of a misadventure with one of the other keepers and I did get bitten on the leg Um, that was okay because a few of the other guys had pulled me out of the way so I didn't end up with a worse bite than what I did yeah and I had been bitten by a couple of snakes as well Mm. so again all fairly small ones so nothing nothing too big Mm -hmm. um, or too venomous I have been bitten by a brown tree snake so they are venomous only mildly and they are rear fanged so um generally just quick bites for the most part are are pretty okay yeah um it's when they bite and chew that's what we don't like so are they not releasing venom unless they're chewing generally generally yeah generally so did you get sick with the snake bites at all no i didn't no um matt my husband has been bitten on the leg by a freshwater crocodile as well (laughs) <laughs> but he ended up in hospital for a couple of weeks. Oh, dear. But it was his own silly fault because it was the same trip that we were driving around Australia in our combi. And I came as far as Cairns and then flew back to Brisbane because I was playing in a band at the time and went to go. We were playing at Woodford Folk Festival that year. So I flew back to play a five-day music festival. And I was going to meet Matt again in after he uh, drove from Cairns across to Catherine and then did a prac with the flying vet out of Catherine. Yep. And then I was going to meet him in Darwin. But when he was in Mataranka, there was a sign saying, float down the Roper River and bring your goggles so that you can see the fish. And it was in like January, December, January, wet season. Yep. Like most people would know, yeah, probably not in the wet season though, <laughs> except not Matt. He blew up the lilo and he floated down the Roper River with his legs dangling either side of this lilo. And he, he felt a bite and like a tug on his leg in this like murky water. And he was like, that was something big. Yeah, that was big. Okay. And he tried to paddle to the edge and he thought maybe it just had had a little nibble and it was going to come back and smash him in, yep. in his words. So he couldn't quite paddle without just fully getting in and he had to just get in and swim to the side, climbed oh, no. up the side, looked and he had like a huge bite on his leg. So That's terrible. Yeah. And he was walking back to the combi with his lilo and like his <laughs> bleeding leg and these guys oh, were fishing no. and they were like, are you right, mate? And he's like, no, I've just been bitten by a croc. And they go, 
what were you doing in the bloody water? (laughs) (laughs) And then he got back to the combi, which at the time had this oil leak that every time we started the car, we had to put a container underneath it to catch the oil until the engine heated up enough that it would seal the leak by expanding. So he's waiting for the engine to, to heat up and catching the oil and cleaning up the wound and he was flushing saline into one tooth mark and it, like into one puncture and it was coming out of oh another. No. So he's like, yeah, that's bad. And he rings me. I'm at Woodford Folk Festival, so tired, been playing like gigs at night and trying yep. to sleep in a tent. And he's guess what just happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? I got bit by a croc. Oh and he was no. so excited. And oh. he <laughs> drove into Mataranka and they sent him off to Catherine Hospital and no one would believe him. Like, I just got bit by a croc. And that, they were all like, what were you doing? Yeah. Swimming in the rope river yeah don't you know if it doesn't have tiles and the smell of chlorine you don't go in the water and so um he thought it was all funny until he had um the bite mark ultrasounded and the tooth had gone into bone (gasps) oh no yeah so he um our dog who was with him ended up getting minded by the the flying vet out of Catherine and he didn't get to do the prac he was in hospital and then they thought they were going to have to debride the wound so they sent him up to darwin and two weeks of iv antibiotics and tests and um and then they let him go and then i met him um in Catherine, and straight away we drove to Catherine gorge and we were going to head further across to Broome, but walking around Catherine gorge and he's like that looks like a good spot to swim <laughs> short memory <laughs> really do you learn no oh so, wow yeah. what a story hey yeah so he was pretty unlucky and they say that freshies don't bite but he must have been unlucky that you know, I'd say so. It might have been like, is that a fish? Yeah. They're usually pretty good, but yeah, they can be pretty um, mm. confident as well mm. with what they do and don't attack. Mm. Mm. And your wounds were just superficial, obviously. Yeah, yeah. luckily. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're when you see their mouths, it's... Um, it's petrifying. It is. And their teeth are so sharp too. Yeah. Really sharp. So Yeah. 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 <laughs> scary, scary it stuff. Is. But they're just so amazing. And I mean, I haven't been to um, Hartley's up here, but I'd really like to go. And I think it's well worth it. Yeah. I do like it up there. There's a lot of crocodiles, obviously, but there's yeah. a lot of experiences for the kids too. They can pat and touch and feed yeah. and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. What's the biggest salty that they would transfer to you guys for surgery or would, or would Annabelle be doing any salty anaesthetics on site there or what's the story? Um, well, our building is actually designed for large crocodiles if required. Uh, so we're talking four, four and a half metre crocodiles if needed. Um, but we tend to, if, if we can avoid it, we tend not to have big animals in the clinic like yeah. that. Obviously that's quite dangerous Mm. um all of us are trained with large crocodiles though so Mm -hmm. it is something that we would be able to do if required Mm -hmm. Um, but we tend to just have smaller ones so maybe up to a meter meter and a half in the clinic and if possible um anything else that needs to be done is done on site yeah um, at the various um yeah zoos or farms or whatever the case may be yeah and what sort of surgery would you need to do on a salty uh so that really depends on what the problem is yeah um so sometimes they do get fight wounds if yeah. they're housed with others so mm-hmm. sometimes it might be a matter of debriding or really mm-hmm. just finding out what's going on with the wound um mm-hmm. and obviously sometimes you, you can't exactly get up close to them to have a good look while they're still awake mm-hmm. yeah uh, so we do need to sedate them to mm-hmm. to have a look um other times it might be skin lesions or it might be um sore eyes or sore mouths or things mm-hmm. like that so normal reptile problems mm. um but a whole different story when we're talking about crocodiles rather than a snake or a lizard. So tell me about inducing anesthesia with a croc. Like are you (laughs) rolling the cephalic vein for someone to pop a catheter in? I don't imagine it's like... No, so generally (laughs) um, we do get them well and truly under control before we even go near them with any sedation. Mm -hmm. Um, So we get the keepers at the various places to catch them up and tape or rope their mouths shut just Mm -hmm. so there is that... Um, it's better for us as well, safer for us. Mm-hmm. And then we do get the vein, um, mm-hmm. one of the veins, and, yeah, get a really, really big needle and um, induce sedation like that. What kind of gauge needle are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> I like to say bloody big ones. <laughs> <laughs> that's the technical term. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, it's hard enough injecting small crocodiles, let alone when you get the really big ones and yeah. you need really big needles to yeah. try and try and get, get mm-hmm. them. It's crazy. I just it is. It is <laughs> such exciting stuff. Um, and what what other exciting surgeries do you guys do? 
Um, every day is so different and we yeah. never really know what we're going to get, especially when we do do so much wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the other things, we did actually get a seagull a couple of months ago and it mm-hmm. doesn't sound all that exciting, except it did have a skewer from its throat all the way out its neck. Mm. And it had been seen around the Esplanade for quite a few weeks and it was still flying and eating okay. Mm-hmm. So because of that, no one could actually catch it. Mm-hmm. But eventually someone did catch it and bring it in and we were all just speechless mm. seeing this skewer so we did actually sedate that um and sorry anesthetize that and mm-hmm. get the skewer out so that was incredible mm-hmm. especially when we saw the size of the skewer that came mm. out of it um so that was pretty interesting as well we d- we get a lot of different surgeries like they're interesting because of what species or they're interesting mm-hmm. because of whatever the problem there may be mm-hmm. um we've had a few goannas that have had um fish hooks yep swallowed fish hooks so generally we x-ray to find out exactly where in the body the fish hook is and then mm-hmm do that uh, we've had a couple of surgeries where we've had to unfortunately remove cats from snakes um wild, no no uh, they are wild snakes and yeah. uh because often the owners will say you know the cat did have a tick collar on so they are a little bit concerned about mm. the snake and the snake may be starting to show signs of toxicity so we do remove the snake and collar Oh, sorry, the cat and the collar. So thoughtful of these owners who have lost their pet cat. It is, it is. And it's so lovely, although very unfortunate circumstances. It is really nice to see them wanting to help the snake rather than, you know, doing anything not so nice with the snakes. So it is nice when people are able to bring them in and we can, uh, we don't always dive straight into surgery. We do often watch the snake um, Mm. because sometimes it may not be that person's cat that got taken mm. um and sometimes you know collars do fall off cats so sometimes mm. it's not necessarily a collar yeah. on the cat anymore so we do definitely watch the snake and just it's um pretty invasive so i guess you need to see is. symptoms before you it jump is into and surgery. It, exactly and yeah. it's not something you want to just jump into and go straight ahead and yeah. do so we do monitor the snakes first yep and then you're just releasing that snake back near that person's house or in a suitable habitat or? in a suitable habitat yeah. so when snakes have large surgeries like that they do need to be kept in um, captivity for quite some time to make mm-hmm. sure everything heals up properly mm-hmm. and they do need to be fed small um, mm. feeds as well because mm. if they go and eat something huge there's a very high chance of them um, popping all the stitches out that you've just mm. put in so we do often tube feed them for the first couple of days mm-hmm. so they do get sustenance and nutrients without actually um, expanding their stomachs mm-hmm. and obviously um, undoing everything that you've just done mm-hmm. um, and then we do often we do have quite a few uh, carers that will take large animals, so large reptiles and large snakes, mm-hmm. and we'll often send um, those reptiles and those snakes to those carers for mm-hmm. monitoring for the next couple of weeks, and they know how to force feed snakes, and they we, we give them instructions on mm-hmm. what to feed them and when to feed them, and mm-hmm. if any medications are needed, we give them mm-hmm. as well. These lucky snakes having all these humans and all these resources just, I you know. I know, and I don't think they realise how lucky they are sometimes either. <laughs> like this chain of people, like the owner of the cat and then yeah. you guys and then the facilities and then the carer, like it's a whole team of people getting it them. It is, it is, and it always is, especially with wildlife care. It is a, a matter of teamwork with yeah. everybody, not just us mm. in the clinic. It's everybody working together. Mm, some pretty special humans out there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's awesome that you guys get to see um, such a different side of things because, I mean, so many vet surgeries are just um, owners who want to pay for a procedure um, and then you're discharging that patient to the owner, whereas a lot of what you guys are doing, um, it's it's um, not necessarily an owner paying for a procedure. It's just you guys doing what you need to do to help that wildlife out. And That's exactly right. It's incredible that, that um, Annabelle runs her business that way. I just really take my hat off to her. Yeah, it, it's absolutely amazing. And I really like working in that sort of environment as well, mm-hmm. where it doesn't necessarily come down to if someone's paying for the procedure, mm-hmm. um, but more can the procedure be done and mm-hmm. can we when when can we go ahead and do that procedure mm-hmm. how do you guys is there any way that people who are around far north queensland can assist in terms of donations or um absolutely i mean we often if animals come in with carers we do request that um cost uh, you know we do charge them cost for yeah. medications and procedures um but if any you know any donations can be made we do actually we are in the process of starting up a wildlife hospital up on the tablelands oh, really? um, called Forever Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so any donations made towards Forever Wild would be mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Just anything, um, food, you know, towels, paper, mm-hmm. 
money even it's mm. just it'll anything's amazing mm. i'll definitely put a link um to forever wild in the show notes page so that people can find it and i didn't even know about that and <laughs> from the tablelands so. yeah um it's like i said it's still in the process so we haven't yeah, it, yeah we're still mm-hmm. we're still getting that up and running it's it's just such a great idea and um there's just yeah. so much amazing wildlife up here we're so lucky Oh, we absolutely are. And like I said, every day is a new day. You know, we never know what we're going to get. And sometimes Mm. we get animals that we didn't realise were in certain areas and Mm. things like that. Mm. So it's it's really quite incredible. You have such an interesting job. Yeah, I certainly think so. (laughs) Given that some of your um, work is quite dangerous, do you have any strange habits or superstitions? Or, you know, we've talked about other guests talk about, um, like in our sort of practices, we never say the Q word. We're never like, oh, it's quiet today because it just gets smashed. (laughs) Or some people are a bit superstitious of purple riprap. Like, do you have anything like that? Yeah, so we're the exact same with the Q word. Never use it. You never say it. Mm. Never say it. Um, And we often find as well, and we don't, we think this as well, if you talk about something to one another, whether it's a um, certain type of patient that comes in or a certain animal, all of a Mm. sudden we get bombarded with them. Mm. And we don't know why, it's Mm -hmm. just amazing. Um, And we also also do, if any of us have animal dreams, Mm -hmm. if there's any sort of animal in the dream, we're always very cautious if we have to work with that animal the next day. It's just Mm. a bit of a... Feels like a bad omen to have to work with that animal. Yeah, if we've had just had a dream about it, regardless of what the dream may be. Yeah, we're a bit the same with disease. Like we'll be like, oh, we haven't seen this case for a while. Yeah, and, and then, then you just oh, just get bombarded why? with them. Yeah, why did we mention it. Yeah, exactly right. It's well, yeah, we're the same. Yeah. Can you think of a purchase made by you or your employer that has positively impacted your vet nurse life in recent memory? I'd say definitely the X-ray machine. We got mm-hmm. it a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. and it's just been incredible for. Mm-hmm for daily life we use it on an almost daily basis what were you using before uh we do have contacts with other vet clinics yeah uh so we depending on what the situation was we'd often take the animal over to Mm -hmm. a different vet clinic and have it x-rayed and then bring it back oh that's annoying (laughs) yeah and you know it's totally possible and we were definitely doing it yeah but i feel like now we're using it more Mm -hmm. than we did before because we've got it and we can five minutes it takes to set up so it's easy to just set it up x-ray whatever needs Mm x-raying and you're done rather than having to travel to the other vet clinic and again it's not a problem i mean the other vet clinics were very um very easy with us using it Mm. but if they were busy too or if they needed Mm. the x-ray machine then you know we couldn't use it so Mm -hmm. it's fantastic having our own Mm, i know what you mean when we first opened we had an x-ray machine but we didn't have a digital developer so we had dunking tanks but we were like oh "Oh, no i don't want to set them up and so we used to have to drive the cassette down the road to the human ultrasound place and be like can you develop this for us and you'd have one person who was unavailable to be helping like one less hand on deck and well that's exactly right and you also couldn't see did you get the image because you know straight away you can see a digital image and you can also fiddle with the exposure and fix it up so that's exactly right and you can tell instantly if it's a good picture or not and then Mm -hmm. if it's not you can obviously just re-x-ray almost Mm -hmm. instantly rather than having to you know wake the animal up and then oh no we have have to get Mm -hmm. that again so have to re-anaesthetize so Mm -hmm. it's fantastic definitely Mm -hmm. definitely helpful in the clinic i can't imagine having worked in the time of like dunking and (laughs) no (laughs) no developing and then going oh to do that again yeah I, yeah i can't imagine that digital is definitely the way to go mm, mm. <laughs> well that's definitely a purchase that makes life easier yes and tell me about a time when you were able to turn defeat into victory this could be in a personal or professional capacity hmm <laughs> that's a hard one um i mean i've had a lot of i guess you could say victories in the last couple of months and mm-hmm. yeah so that's awesome what victories have you had in the last couple of months i bought my own house oh wow yeah so pretty impressed with that so i bought it about three months ago so settlement was about three months ago on the northern beaches as well that's a great place to buy a house yeah so I'm pretty impressed with that and I guess I'm more impressed with myself because I'm a single mum on a single wage so yeah you know it's been a long time coming but it's finally happened and I'm just yeah very proud of myself and a vet nursing (laughs) wage too which we know our industry is not the best paying industry so that's right so yeah I'm very very proud of myself that's amazing you should be proud of that and I was thinking before when you were saying about all of the animals I'm like I wonder if her landlord if she's renting those. <laughs> I don't think I'd be allowed to rent with the sort of animals that I've got yeah well that's a huge victory and even mm. just I mean how do you find even just balancing being a single mom and um, dropping Charlie off and picking up from school I mean it's hard 
hard with our hours that we work and doing it is very hard so i drop him off to school every morning Mm -hmm. um and i start work um annabelle is very very accommodating so Mm -hmm. i start work as soon as i can get into work which Mm -hmm. is generally around nine o'clock which Mm -hmm. is when we open anyway Mm -hmm. um and my parents are very very helpful they Mm -hmm. pick him up every afternoon after school Mm -hmm. um on certain days they take him to his um, activities outside of school so mm-hmm. martial arts he, he does martial arts so they take mm-hmm. him to that lesson um mm-hmm. in an afternoon and they just watch him and look after to him until i can get home mm-hmm. and i pick him up from their place yeah that's great it's just it's such a it's such a hard juggle and and for me like having a business as well it's hard for me to have people there from opening at eight because a yeah. lot of our more experienced nurses are mums and so they are doing drops drop off and pick up but it's just a matter of having a balance of juniors as well that we can that's exactly right to do that but yeah it's it's difficult because you do need patients there from as early as possible for surgery yeah exactly so you can't sort of change your drop off and pick up necessarily to meet that and then same with discharges in the afternoon it's the crazy time because you've got discharges and the last hour of the day is always (laughs) when everything goes yeah it's it's difficult yeah yeah yeah. good on you for managing that (laughs) and just and how how old is charlie now so he's almost seven. He'll be seven yeah. in November. Yeah. And so it must have been crazy in the first like three years, hey? Oh, absolutely. It really was. And it, it's a lot easier now that he's at school. Mm-hmm. Um, but even school holidays can be difficult as well. So he usually mm-hmm. comes into work with me. Oh, that's during great. The school holidays. Yeah. So mum and dad usually go away. So I've he's got me. <laughs> well, no wonder he's so well behaved. He's actually just sitting in here with us now and you can't even um, <laughs> tell. He's just watching a movie, playing some games, very well yeah, behaved. He is. He is. He's really good. Yeah. He's usually very quiet until we get home. But no, <laughs> when we're out, he, he knows he's got a big behave and he knows yeah. he gets treats and things. Yeah. You know, like at work, he'll know that um, he can have a look around and things like that if there's some nice animals in and yeah. he doesn't touch anything. <laughs> he just yeah. looks and just sees what we have. But he loves seeing photos and things of what I've worked with and yeah. he tells me all the time he wants to work at the clinic as well when he's older Oh, that's as a so security good. guard but he still wants to work there. <laughs> of course, security. <laughs> yes. It's funny, my husband Matt um, was raised by a single mum as well and he used to, he had, um, there was four siblings all together yep. and he used to get told like not to touch anything and they would yep. all have to have their hands behind their back when they walked into a shop to be yep. sure that they weren't touching yep. and still today he will walk into a shop <laughs> and he puts his hands behind his back and Just holds them it. there. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and I'm like, you're doing the thing. Yeah. Don't touch. And he's like, I'm so well trained. I yeah. just can't not do it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's yeah, a great nice. victory, buying your own house for sure yeah. um, as a single mum and on a vet nursing wage and in a yeah. beautiful area as well. So. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I definitely think so. Yeah. Well, this might be a good time to take a break. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Support for Radio Vet Nurse comes from you, if you like. So far, two corporate sponsors, ReadyVet and the Animal Industries Resource Centre, have kindly helped cover some of the costs of these free episodes. You can help too by scoring yourself some eco-friendly and oh-so-chic RadioVet Nurse merch. Head to my website, RadioVetNurse.com, and check out my glass-reusable coffee keep cup, which you can take to your favourite cafe and save the need for single-use paper cups. Continuing in the theme of eco-friendly receptacles for vet nurse fuel, I've also got a lightweight, shatter-resistant glass water bottle. All with Radio Vet Nurse logo, so we know we're in the club. Wink, wink. That's all. Carry on. Welcome back, Tiffany. What advice would you give to someone about to enter the world of vet nursing? Um, that's a good question. I'd say be prepared for everything. It's not... Although we love to help out and, you know, wish everything well, sometimes you do have bad days. And I guess, Mm. although you don't want to talk about it, it's always, um, it is good to talk about how you're feeling about, you know, certain things. Mm -hmm. And if you're not happy with how something's gone, I'd say definitely talk about it. It it can be very emotional in the job. Mm -hmm. Or if, for example, an owner requests something that you may not necessarily agree with, Mm. um, I guess you've got to push everything aside and just... Mm. um, yeah. Who do you talk to? Um, I talk to my parents or even Annabelle. She's, yeah. you know, it's it's really helpful to talk to somebody who understands the situation. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely speak with Annabelle or even our mm. practice manager. Yeah. It's funny how you said it can be emotional because it, that keeps coming up 
to, for me to with people that I'm interviewing for the show. Mm. A lot of people are saying that yeah, some some days you're crying and some days yeah. you go home and you have been crying and. It's nice to have people around you that understand that, that are not just like, what, you went to work and now you've come home with red eyes or you can't yeah. talk or you just need to go have a shower. And That's you know. exactly right. And, yeah, it, it can be very emotional. I mean, don't get me wrong, it can be absolutely amazing and, mm. you know, most days are fantastic but you will always have a couple of days mm. that just don't go to plan mm. and things just don't turn out the way you want them to and it, it can be hard but – yeah, I agree. I have to be careful too because sometimes my sense of humour will kick in. Yep. I think as a bit of a protective thing and I will yep. just be cracking jokes about stuff that, <laughs> that's yeah. really horrific and then I have to be like, hang on, let me just process this. Like this isn't funny and I'm yeah. just kind of protecting myself and maybe yep. I just need to have a bit of reverence and, and honesty about the situation and let myself be down about it for a minute and then, yeah. you know. That's exactly right. And we all know um, as much as we'd like to think it's all – happy and we can help everything you, mm. sometimes we just can't mm. um and we do have to think about what's best for those animals mm. and it yeah yeah it's not always the nicest but yeah i think that's some good advice hard. to be prepared mm. for that and if you can actually face yeah. that and what advice would you give to a student vet nurse maybe struggling with their studies and you did your studies i should point out with like was charlie a newborn or was he one or uh, he was about one and a half too so crazy yeah so he was in daycare one day a week so yeah. i studied on the day he was in daycare mm-hmm. and then when he was um asleep you know mm-hmm. naps during the day i'd study then mm-hmm. and yeah that's when i'd studied i'd say i had a really supportive network so mm-hmm. i went through um the australian college of vet nursing mm-hmm. and they have um, a facebook page where you can go on 24 hours a day and post mm-hmm. questions and you'd have other students answering them or even the mentors answering them on mm-hmm. the facebook page not necessarily all hours of the night when you're mm-hmm. awake mm-hmm. um but you know they'd get onto them pretty quickly and mm-hmm. they did have a really supportive network um on their site as well so mm-hmm. it was one of those um Oh, I can't think of the name of it now, but basically you just pressed a button and, and within about 10, 15 minutes you had one of the mentors call oh, like you. like a chat box. Yeah, like yeah. A, yeah mm-hmm. exactly, like an online chat. And mm-hmm. within 10, 15 minutes at the most you'd have someone mm-hmm. there helping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Really important too when you're studying remote. and um, That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And online study is always hard. It doesn't matter what mm-hmm. you're studying, it's mm-hmm. hard. But having that network who with of people who are able to help you mm. especially if the drop of the hat is fantastic mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's great and I think that that, that st- studying and trying to do things when you have like a one two year old it does make you incredibly good at focusing in that small amount of time you have yes. like <laughs> I think before I had my son I I would have that thing where I could procrastinate and put it off. Whereas mm-hmm. now I'm like, right, I've got two hours, yep. child-free time, get in and do it. And it's yep. a great motivator, I think. It really is. It yeah. really is. And so I'd drop him off in the morning and then as soon as I get back, even you know when I was preparing myself for the day, I'd get mm-hmm. my books and everything out ready to go. I'd mm-hmm. start my laptop up, mm-hmm. go drop him off. And by the time I got back, it was all <laughs> up and ready to go. And <laughs> Not wasting a no, second. No, no way, no yeah. way. Not when you're on a time limit for those courses. Yeah, so. yeah that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very good advice. (laughs) Are there any bad or old recommendations that you hear as a vet nurse, and this might be from colleagues or clients, that you think should be replaced with more useful or modern information? Um, So one thing that I do hear quite a bit from from our clients is that – uh, I guess that vets are out to make money mm. and that they're that's all they want to do. So that's yeah. why they, they recommend getting blood work done or x-rays done mm. because they just want to make money. Mm. Um, I guess I'd like to replace that with we – although it's always an option, Mm. we do try and help out with other options. So if maybe Mm. it's not financially able at that time to get bloods and x-rays done for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. um, we do try and help help our clients and patients as much as possible. Mm. So although that might be the best and most ideal option, we will help out with, I guess, um, cheaper options. Mm. Um, And generally, if vets or nurses recommend blood work or x-rays it's for a reason Mm. it's not just because we feel like it or Mm -hmm. feel like it's what we want to do at the time Mm. um yeah it it is actually very useful information when we get Mm. blood work back or Mm x-rays or a a combination of both depending on 
whatever issue we might be looking at. Yeah. I actually hadn't thought of that as an answer before, but now that you're saying it, I think it's one of the most um, critical things for our industry. Like one of mm. the, the the myths that, that should be busted or things that we need to replace with more useful information because it's really damaging to vets and vet nurses who work in the industry because they want the best for animals to kind of, yeah, instead of having, I guess, gratitude or um understanding from from the public it's really hurtful when instead you get um oh that's how you make the money and this is just a trick and I mean our dog our 10 year old Kelpie who's fit as a fiddle had a dental recently yep and we did um pre-GA bloods uh thinking that nothing would happen and I was even filming it for Facebook just going this is what happens when we do pre-GA bloods and as you'll see he'll be healthy and we'll do the surgery and then he had all these crazy liver parameters that were not within normal limits and he was sick and he had um, really elevated levels of bilirubin. His liver wasn't doing what it should be. Yep. His bile ducts were blocked and he had to have go on courses of medication, have more blood tests. And we otherwise would not have picked that up until he was jaundiced and sick. Exactly. And sometimes at that point it is too late. Yeah. Um, we get it a lot with uh, birds as mm-hmm. well because birds have a really good preservation response. Mm-hmm. So when you notice your bird is sick, it mm. is really sick. It mm. is a lot worse than what you realize. Mm-hmm. Um, because what they do is they'll sit at the food bowl and they'll play with the food or they'll sit at the food bowl and sit up with the others and mm. they look like they're okay when they're really not. Mm. So we do actually recommend blood work be done if you're even concerned about mm. your bird because although you might not be able to see that it's sick or mm-hmm. nothing that we can pick up physically is wrong Mm -hmm. there is something some serious issues going Mm -hmm. on inside and often we can pick them up well most of the time we can pick them up on blood work and be able Mm -hmm. to fix the issue or help the issue from there how are you getting a blood sample from a bird and are you running those bloods in-house or sending them away we send them away Mm -hmm. and we usually get a um a jugular vein so while yeah so while they're under anesthetic Uh, okay yeah yeah yeah. so all our blood work for birds is done under anesthetic because some birds would be tiny yeah Yes, they are. Um, so um, our where, where we send the bloods to, they're mm-hmm. very, very understanding. So mm. often we might get a lot less blood than what they would like. Mm. Um, but sometimes, if, for example, if we're taking blood off a budgie, there's only mm. so much blood you can take out mm-hmm. safely. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's a lot less than what... The, um, mm. the pathologists like but we can't yeah we can't take any more yeah in my mind I'm running through your consumables order because I'm thinking <laughs> you've got like the crocodile <laughs> gauge needles and you've got the tiny bird gauge needles like yep. you just must have to have so much stuff on hand we do we do and it, it can be hard to I mean we don't keep we really don't keep much dog and cat product on the shelf at all. In yeah. fact, we almost keep nothing. We, yeah. we order it in as required. Yeah. But everything we order in is for birds, reptiles and mm. anything else that we may get in. Mm-hmm. We are all very, um, I guess, conscious of that as well. And so sometimes if we see things in our everyday lives that we think, oh, that could be used for mm. this in the future, we often bring things in and, mm. mm-hmm. you know, you don't really know what it might be used for, but it looks mm-hmm. useful. Um, like recently we've started collecting, you know, the inners of the bandages when they've got, they're um, wrapped around plastic yep. tubing. Yep. So we keep those for when we have raptors in because we can put, we can use them as little perches so we can oh, yeah. safely put raptor feet on the perches so we oh, don't yeah. get grabbed by them. And I'm like, splint? Is it going to be a splint? Yeah, no, just perch, little things yeah. like that. Yeah. And yeah, it just lots of little things we use mm-hmm. and just like being just like really random MacGyvering stuff together yep. and yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So and mm. I'm I'm just thinking too of um of of bird um blood tests and that sort of thing. Do you just send them off to your everyday pathologist labs or this, yeah. is there a special bird one? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah cool. just the everyday ones. Yeah. yeah. It is really important, yeah. And um and I think that unfortunately too Maybe there are, there probably are some vets out there where there there are high running expenses and there is pressure on vets to upsell and to upsell, um, yeah. in in sort of every situation and and that can come across as pressure to clients, but it's pressure from vets as well. And I really really prefer what you said, which is we should be tailoring different options for different people, and the gold standard is not always what must be delivered and people no. shouldn't be made feel bad for it that's exactly yeah. right and you know everyone's in different different circumstances and we mm. can't always picture what their circumstances may be mm. um 
So I really do believe that it's always better to give them a number of options. Mm. And if they choose to go with the blood work and x-rays, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But if right now that's not suitable for Mm -hmm. them or that they can't do that, then we definitely will try and help out in any way we possibly can. Yeah, I love that too. That's very important to us as well. So, Mm. And in what ways do you look after your mental well-being and prevent compassion fatigue? Um, That's a really hard one, actually. Mm. Um, I guess just taking time out for myself at home when I can or even with my son and just doing Mm. different things, you know, um, in the afternoons, whether it may be go for a walk or just sit outside and just watch him play with our dogs or with Mm. the wallabies and kangaroo or even just gardening. I'm actually really liking gardening at the moment, especially now that I've got my new my Mm. new house Mm. um just yeah working out where things go and Mm. it's been a hard couple of months though you know because moving's difficult yeah anyway um but i've had a lot going on in the last couple of months so it has been a little bit Mm. um pushing i guess Mm. you know i um yeah buying the house which was big and then i did actually have surgery a couple of months ago as well so Mm -hmm. it's all just been happening and Mm -hmm. it's hard but i guess just stopping for five minutes and just taking a couple of deep breaths and just relaxing and Mm moving is up there on like the top three most stressful things that Mm. can ever um you can ever do in life and I always feel I always feel like once you've moved you're like oh I did it I got through the stressful thing but then you forget that oh no then you've got months of like you you forget where where you've put things or you haven't Mm. necessarily figured out the best and most efficient layout of where you've put things or you haven't figured out the order of cleaning the house or yeah yeah it's really hard um yeah, getting to the routine of everything is mm-hmm. its very difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, at the moment, there is, in the lead up to Vet Nurse Day, which is on the 12th of October, there are free um, wellbeing resources on the uh, VNCA website as well. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that could be worth looking at too. And Yeah, definitely. But as long as you know what's good for you and you've talked about too that you talk to your colleagues and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just taking time to time out, you don't get any time out from animals like though do no 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 time out from animals um if I'm not at work I'm at home with animals and often even um when my son and I do get to go on holidays as well we very frequently visit zoos or parks and things like that so even on my days off I'm still surrounded by animals but I love it I would not have it any other way I really enjoy it yeah we're the same we're down here we've come down to Cairns for the weekend to interview you and we're like let's go to the aquarium (laughs) do we have time to get up to Hartley's no but we'll do the aquarium and yeah. you, just, you just can't help it, hey? No, no, absolutely not. But yeah, it's fantastic and I yeah. really like it and especially seeing all sorts of different animals as well. Mm. So it's it's nice. Yeah, I agree. Um, if you ever feel overwhelmed about life or work, what do you do? I don't know, sit in a corner and cry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, Some other oh. answers that we've had on the show. Some people write a list or... Um, try and get it down in writing or um, trying to think of what some other people say. Like for, for me, that's what I do. If I feel overwhelmed, it's normally because I've got heaps on my plate mm. and yeah, I will often try and map out everything I've got to do and number it. Some people um, talk about meditation or time out or calling their mom or that sort of thing. So sitting in a corner and crying, sometimes <laughs> like no joke, it's really good. It's like, un- it's so underrated because those tears have to get out. I'm taken back to after I had my son and I don't know if this happened to you, but just all the, like the hormones that make you want to cry as well. Yeah. And God, it felt good getting those out. Yeah. And I had friends it? texting me going, you're going to want to cry about now. Just get it out. Yeah. Like just cry, just go with it. Sometimes it helps. Once you've cried, you feel better and yeah. it's done and yeah. <laughs> you can actually go back to think about what's going on and how yeah. to help yourself afterwards. Yeah. So. Move moving right along yeah. <laughs> and I think that that comes down to as well acknowledging as I said before like sometimes I can let my sense of humor kick in instead of feeling like the pain of something and the actual proper emotion of it so yeah I think it is good to sometimes just let yourself be overwhelmed by that and going yep that was sad yep I've yep. had a cry let's move on yeah yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I'm the worst with sad movies too. I think sometimes I have like built up tears that I don't let out. And then if I yep. watch a sad movie, I'm the person that's literally like hyperventilating, <laughs> 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 crying, <laughs> ugly crying. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, what do you think is the main area of our industry that needs attention or improvement? Um, I guess I wouldn't so much say it's 
in the industry itself. But again, getting that awareness out of when people or well, vets, you know, recommend something, it's Mm. not just for the money. A lot of people Mm. think vets are really expensive. And Mm -hmm. I guess one of the main reasons for that is it's not bulk build like a lot of the doctors, Mm. doctor clinics are. So a lot of people think that it's, you know, really expensive to go to the vet and you don't really get much for it. But the vets and nurses have often studied for a very long time. They spent a lot of money um, getting clinics and things up and running. Mm. And then they are do only want what's best for the animals as well. Whereas a lot of people do unfortunately think that vets, like I said before, are in it for the money. Mm. And most of the time, I they're definitely not. They're in it for the animals to try and make it better. So I guess, um, yeah, I guess more awareness to go out there mm. that, that, you know, mm-hmm. that things are done for a reason and it's not necessarily the costs of the vet, but the costs of the medications mm. and things that go into actually having a vet clinic up and running and things that aren't bulk billed by. Yeah. By the government. I love that answer too. And there's a new initiative um, called, it's a campaign called Love Your Pet, Love Your Vet. Um, and it's by a psychologist, um, Dr. Nadine, who works mainly with vets and vet nurses. And she's teamed up with Royal Cannon and they're trying to, they've made little videos that they're using to try and educate the public and raise awareness that um, it is, you know, vets aren't just doing this to to rack up money and that um, things cost money. And also if you, if you had the level of... Um, medical expertise I guess in the human world the vet is just this crazy one-stop shop like no nowhere would you walk in and be like this is what's wrong with me and have someone go I will take the bloods and I will run the bloods and then I will x-ray you and then I will do surgery if I need to like you would see five different people that's exactly right and a lot of the time with these surgeries um you know, we can get them in the next day or yeah. in two days. Whereas, you know, with doctors and things, you can often wait quite some time and for good reason as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, you, you, you know, your vet, you can mm. get just about anything done at the clinic. You can get mm-hmm. dentals done. You, mm. you can get there, go there for pregnancies to check how pregnancies mm. are going. Um, they can do cesareans if needed or mm. help out with um, natural births as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you can call them for neonatal advice or mm-hmm. newborn advice for anything mm-hmm. an emergency yeah. and actually yeah. I was thinking too when you said about um, when birds are sick they're really sick and I was thinking how you do just have to fit stuff in because I've heard Matt say that before too if we're fully booked and I'll say to him oh someone's called and they've got a bird and it's it's um looking a bit sad it's not quite right um what tomorrow and he'll be like nope it'll be dead then <laughs> today yeah. like if it's already looking sick we need to see it now yeah that's exactly right so Mondays are usually our busiest day and I know um Annabelle had this week just gone she was down at a down south at a conference I'm speaking at a conference mm-hmm. and she did get in and a bit later on the day it was already fully booked because Mondays are always crazy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then I had four people ring up within about half an hour with their sick birds and mm. They can't wait. They need to come mm. in as soon as they possibly can. And mm. that's what we highly recommend to anybody with a sick bird as well, mm. um, to bring them in as soon as possible. Yeah. It's something so unique to our industry. Our practice manager, who's fantastic, came from the human dental industry yep. where they're often booked ahead like six weeks. Yeah. And they, like for her, she would be, you know, questioned by the dentists if there were any gaps. They'd be like, fill that up. Why is there a gap there? We need to get someone in. So when she first started working for us and it would look really quiet on a particular week (laughs) and she'd be like, have I done something wrong? Do I need to fill those gaps? And we're like, no, no, like anything can happen at any time. And then it took her for a while to realise like that day might be double, triple booked by the end of the day. But then it looks quiet. That's exactly right. Mm. The other thing is too, as I think what a lot of clients don't always know as well is although our waiting room might look quiet Mm. we very often have 20 or 30 patients in Mm. hospital that are either going through treatment or need to be treated Mm. or anything like that so although the waiting room might not be busy at the time you come Mm. in there we have a lot to do yeah a lot and like you said anything can happen at any time we get walk-ins all the time we we get people ringing up with emergencies and Mm. they come in as soon as they can it's so hard to remain composed if you're like for me like it might be in the consult room clipping a dog's toenails and talking to an owner who deserves my full attention about oh why won't he let me touch his feet what can I do to fix that and sometimes when he's you know upset he'll do this and I'll try and calmly give them my full attention but I might be thinking 
I really need to go TPR, that hit by car dog that we're stabilizing out the back. That's exactly right. I hope somebody else has got a second. I need to wrap this up. But you still have to give that person your full time and attention that's in front of you and be all smiles when really you're really worried about your critical patient out the back. Yep. That, that's exactly right. It's really hard. I know a couple of weeks ago, and one of the little joeys I was caring for, unfortunately, um, she did have a broken leg. So we bandaged it, bandaged it up. And um, somehow during the night, she'd re-broken her leg oh. while she was at my home. And so I, that's what I woke up to in the morning. Mm. Um, and so I got her to work as soon as possible. And mm. I know we ended up euthanizing her then. And then five minutes later, I had to go out and talk to somebody about their joeys they were hand raising mm. and trying to keep myself calm and composed. It was mm. really hard knowing mm. that mine had had just been euthanized for a, mm. for, for, for a good reason. The, mm. the, the break was really, really bad. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's really difficult and they don't necessarily know what's just happened. And mm. it's really hard to mm-hmm. go ahead with the day when things have turn pear-shaped. Yeah, and that's when I think we really rely on the people around us, which I think is a great segue into my final question for you, which is if you could reach out and thank a mentor who's helped you in your career and your personal development in this industry, who would it be and what would you say? Um, Probably Annabelle, to be honest. She's been absolutely amazing. She's so helpful with everything and you always feel like no question is a silly question. Mm. Um, and I feel like even sometimes with dogs and cats, because I'm, I still learn so much about dogs and cats every day because I don't I don't work with them every day, mm. that she's always got time to answer your questions and mm. um, help with anything that, that, that we need help with. Mm-hmm. Um, she also gets in and does the nursing duties if we're busy or mm. what, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, always so helpful and always ready to just drop what she's doing and mm-hmm. – help out with advice or help or whatever. Mm, It's great. And as I said before, she's so well known in our industry. And one of my nurses who used to work in wildlife too, she's like, Annabelle, oh, are you going to interview Annabelle? I'm like, no, she's not a vet nurse. I'm going to interview one of her nurses. But yeah, she's um, got a great reputation. and She does. um, Yeah. And I mean, Matt's the same. He'll muck in and and nurse as well, which I think is great because um, um, we are a team and we all need to work together. And and I think that that's how we can get through all of these difficult things that we've um, discussed, but also have these great outcomes that just make it really worthwhile. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that mm. absolutely yeah well thank you so much for joining me today tiffany it's Not been a problem. wonderful and i'm just so intrigued by everything that you do it's just like n- not many other nurses that um, i can think of would get to treat so many animals <laughs> i want to thank charlie too for being so great today charlie thanks for coming yeah and if you're looking for a, a, a good um facebook page to follow as well boon gary vets has lots of cool information on all the animals they treat so uh, and i'll put a link to to the other wildlife um uh, the center in the tablelands too that we mentioned and yeah, you can can um keep across everything that they're doing at boongari vets and all the wild vet nursing adventures that <laughs> tiffany gets to have sounds good all right take it easy thank you bye <laughs> bye thanks for listening to radio vet nurse the podcast to help us make more free episodes subscribe and leave a review Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Radio Vet Nurse or drop in at RadioVetNurse.com.